Support for the Woj Podcast comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website, choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website that you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their own website, so create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X dot com slash Woj, W-O-J, to get 10% off. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Milwaukee with one of the all-time greats, Pau Gasol, six-time NBA All-Star, a two-time NBA champion, and one of the cornerstones, maybe the cornerstone, of the great Spanish national teams that have won two silver medals in the Olympics, a bronze medal, multiple Euro Cup gold medals, silver, bronze, and a Euro Basket MVP a couple times over. Pau Gasol, who, along with Dirk Nowitzki, really revolutionized the international big man, what was possible for a European star in the NBA. Tremendous visit with one of the most introspective, articulate, and accomplished stars of this or any era. Here's my conversation with Pau Gasol. Here in Milwaukee with Pau Gasol of the Milwaukee Bucks. Are you used to hearing that? Do you wake up in the morning in downtown and go, like, where am I? What team am I playing for? This is, you haven't moved around that much in no, not that 20 much. year career. Yeah, almost 20. <laughs> uh, not quite there, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's, I'm still, Getting used to it. Uh, still, you know, people hear me walking when they see me. Obviously, more uh, basketball fans really, yeah. you know, know what's going on. But other people that don't follow it as much, they uh, still, uh, you know, you play for the Bucks. They're like, um, you wearing a Bucks uh, sweatsuit, so you must, <laughs> you must, you must be playing with the Bucks. Uh, but uh, yeah, still. Um, Getting used to it, getting used to the fact that I play for for Milwaukee now, and uh, after almost three years with the Spurs, and and you know, just trying to make this work and try to help this team be the best that they can be, and uh, my leadership and experience and skill set to him. Pau, I mean, you see other players go through it at different points in their career, and it's you're in a place in San Antonio where you start to talk about maybe a buyout and a chance to go contribute more elsewhere, mm-hmm. and. I imagine it's not an easy process to go through because it was an organization you liked, you respected. You always maybe imagined playing there at some point. Mm-hmm. And been, yeah. you've seen a lot in your career. You've been through a lot. But that's – it's a new stage and it's a new – I guess it's a new reality, right? Sure. It is. It is. But no matter how much you've been through, how much you've seen, how much you've experienced, there's always something new and different for you out there. And uh, something that you haven't – predicted uh something that maybe you might not be ready for but something you have to deal with and adjust and and make a decision on right so that's kind of how how this was i uh, uh i've never thought that i would uh when i signed my deal with the spurs that i would think after almost three years to that that possibility was going to be on the table or or feasible because i uh, i like to honor my deals my end of the bargain, 
but the way the season had gone, um, the way my, my role changed mm. also within the team, you know, it, it didn't feel right. Um, you know, there were speculations around the trade deadline of a possible trade. Uh, it didn't happen. Um, but then my, my role was being kind of uh, diminished to a point that I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't playing at all almost, right? So um, as much as I try to be a good influence to, to those guys and the, the team and, and the young players and, and uh, contribute from whatever position I'm in, I felt like... Uh, uh, you know, I love playing the game. I love competing, and I wanted to have a, an opportunity to do that. And and then when uh, the buyout deadline, uh, right. which I've never really had in, in my radar in my entire career, obviously people and, and, and teams knew that um, that I wasn't completely happy there, and there would there was a chance that I could uh, consider that uh, possibility. So uh, things really heated up in the last two or three days before that uh, March 1st day. And, and we we started talking, and even though we were, I mean, uh, there were still conversations, I think, between my agent and, and the team and management, so it wasn't, like, completely out of the blue. So at the end, we, you know, we made it work and uh, made a decision. I didn't take the easy route. Uh, I think the easy route would have been, you know what, I'm going to finish the year here. Uh, I'm not going to give up any of my money and, and I'm just going to play it safe. Uh, but I took the challenge. I'm an ambitious guy. I, uh, and, and we made it work and, uh, and the Bucks were very interested in, in having me and adding me to their roster and, and what I can contribute, uh, on their goals. And, um, and here we are. When you're a Hall of Fame player the way you are and you have a resume, I think there's a few players, and I think in this age who have you have an NBA resume that's a Hall of Fame resume. You have an international resume with the Spanish national team mm-hmm. that, if you never played a day in the NBA, is a Hall of Fame resume. And Manu Ginobili had that, right, in his career. Mm-hmm. There's a few who've done it. Carmelo Anthony might have that for gold medals, right? Like, Absolutely. So, like, if, how you want to separate them. Right. But you talk about a, adjusting, and when your expectations have to change mm-hmm. about – what's there for you and how you fit into it and can I accept the realities of the years and age and, and I can't have the role I once had. Right. A lot of guys of your stature, it is hard to do. Trouble, right? w- was it for you? Was it? Is it ever easy? Uh, I don't think it's easy. It's not supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you had to come to an understanding that things change and it's not that you settle uh, or just accept uh, certain things, but at the same time, you understand that uh, situations might be different, uh, roles might change. You're not the same guy that you used to be. Um, guys emerge, the game evolves, and uh, there's a lot of moving parts. So, if you want to stick around, uh, you got to be able to adjust, and you got to be able to to kind of change your mindset, put your ego to the side. And really make make it work, and and prove that you can contribute in a valuable way, even though it might not be the way that you used to, that it might not be the way that you like or that you most enjoy, but you're still around, and you're still helping, and um, and it's like a very competitive league. People don't and teams don't just give you things just because. So um, so you know you go out there and you earn it in whichever way you're asked to do. 
you've got an ankle injury now that may keep you out a few weeks here and mm-hmm. postseason's a few weeks away and mm-hmm. and I know you want to contribute. You came to Milwaukee to contribute Absolutely. on the floor and and there's going to be moments in the postseason where you're going to be able to give minutes. You've seen a lot of players come in late. We can go through the years like where I think they're hoping Powell's going to get us through a game six somewhere or mm-hmm. and you may go a few games and not play and that's all part of it, right? You'll be ready to pick your spot. Mm-hmm. But there was something else, too, with you and that, that they were really excited about was they don't have a locker room with guys who have a great deal of playoff experience. They have no championship experience. Mm-hmm. And you just said it like you've got to kind of figure out where you could help. Mm-hmm. And I wonder what that's like when you come into a team, you don't have relationships. Does a guy want to hear it from you? How do you do that when you just walk into a new room and say, I want to impart what I know, mm-hmm. but I also don't want to overstep being right. the new guy, right? Well, you gotta be, uh, you know, patient. You gotta understand. You gotta have a good ability to to recognize and analyze what's what's going on, what's around you. When is a good time? When is it not? You don't want to break. The thing about me joining this team uh, this late into the season, into the game, it's probably not the best scenario in order to have the best possible impact. But at the same time, you understand that you want to have the greatest or best impact with the circumstances that you kind of are going through, right, or, or feel yourself under. So the good thing is that the players, coaches, management respect me, understand what I'm about. They're excited. They know what I bring to the mm-hmm. table. And that's that's a very important uh, starting point. From that point on, you pick and choose when you share your knowledge, when you have your impact, when you intervene again without, you don't want to cut the head coach off while he's going on and, and talking about, and there's a certain dynamic that has been working here, right. right? So again, you want to add to it. You don't want to be disruptive. So you got to be real smart. Sometimes you got to, all right, let me just bite my tongue for today and, and I'll, I'll, I'll just pick the spot when, and, and you recognize, you gotta have an ability to recognize when, when those moments are, when there is a, a clear need of you stepping in and you feel comfortable and confident to be able to provide something that will be meaningful, whether it's on the court, uh, whether it's on the bench, whether it's at practice, whether it's post game, whether it's at halftime. There are plenty of opportunities for you to get the attention and add something important. And that's, uh, you know, I know the, the injury situation now is not allowing me to be on the court the way I would want to. And especially now that there are other injuries in the team that would have given me the opportunity to, uh, to play consistently and, and good minutes uh, so I could get myself rolling and get a good rhythm going into the postseason. Um, but I'm still going to do with the medical staff and the training staff as much as I can and everything that I need to do in order to get myself there. So when those times come and those opportunities come, I'm as ready as I can be, and I can help on and off the floor. Pau, does your hope continue to be that you will play again next season, another one? How are you yeah. viewing a timetable at this point? Well, th- th- at this point, when you get to this... I guess length of, of years, uh, you gotta take it, uh, I, I'm not even gonna say a year at a time, one, one day at a time almost, and, and really evaluate how you're doing, you know, after you're done playing that season, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that I'm gonna be a free agent this summer, 
Uh, what I want to worry about right now, it's, it's the present and it's how I can, uh, help this team accomplish its goal, which is, you know, to try to take advantage of the favorable position that we find ourselves in, being the number one record in the league, uh, having home court throughout the playoffs probably, uh, which is what we're working on and making sure that we lock that up and then, uh, really being a dominant team in the playoffs, right? And, and, and having a chance at the title. So after that, of course, I love to continue to play uh, because I love I love the game. I feel like uh, I will continue to to add to it, and uh, I know the game has become a lot faster, a lot smaller, uh, which is a challenge. But uh, that's kind of how I've been, how I am. I'm a, I'm a challenge-driven guy. You know, the bigger the challenge, the more. You, I lock in and the more I go into at some point, my body or my mind will say, what are you doing? <laughs> Maybe that point will come and then we'll say, we'll call it farewell. We'll say, hey, we had a hell of a run and yeah. uh, you've been incredibly lucky and fortunate to do what you love for so long and at the level that you have. And I can I can live with that. So, um, but uh, yeah, my, my desire is to continue to play for next season. And then after that, We'll talk about it again. <laughs> you know, you see, Dirk is, you know, I think by all accounts and sense, this is probably going to be Dirk's last year, and, and you see him sort of saying goodbye along the way, mm-hmm. and arenas and organizations right. and players saying goodbye to Dirk mm-hmm. through here. And, you know, your career paralleled his a great deal. And when you think of when Dirk came in the league and, and you're the first international rookie of the year in 2001, and, right. and now you look at Giannis and you see that, evolution of and Giannis is a European player he's from Greece and but he'll also mm-hmm. you know he certainly has his Nigerian roots and of that's course. all part of his story mm-hmm. but is it hard for you to not think about what the perception was of an international player when you walked in the door and mm-hmm. how people had stereotypes of them yeah and then you see this player and you see what Luka Doncic has come in from day one and what Giannis is doing and right. A lot's changed since you walked into Hubie Brown's locker room, right? Yeah, well, well it was Sidney Lowe's locker room. Sidney Lowe's, yeah, uh, that's my right. first year. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, a lot has changed. Obviously, it's been uh, eighteen years since that point, so the percent the perceptions have changed. The number of international players have grown. Um, the contributions of those players have increased as well, and in, in the status of those players. Uh, so it's been great to see. To me, as a international player, as a basketball player, I love how the game has evolved, has grown, how players all over the world now, they, it's not just a dream. It is still a dream, but it's not like from another planet, galaxy, so far, uh, and so hard to reach. Now it seems something that it's, oh, I can do this. I can do this because there's been so many others that have accomplished it and have gotten there, and I have someone to look up to that is not just, uh, a Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or Ma- Michael Jordan, you have actually players from your country, from a neighbor country that have made it. Um, and it's, uh, and they had not just made it, but, but really become a, a superstar or a reference. So it's, it's fantastic to see, uh, to see these young players coming in with so much confidence with already the, the, the respect and a different perspe- perception that, uh, that you, you used to come in with that you had to prove. A lot, I think a lot more. You have to earn the respect 
from everyone and it was not just given to you uh, just because you were a high pick or um, you were talented or or stuff like that or you've been successful elsewhere uh, now you you know you had to do you know really uh, prove that you could play really earn the respect of your teammates and the coaches and the trust of the organization as well so uh, it's been great uh, Got to catch the game on the go? No worries. Metro by T-Mobile has you covered. Switch to Metro and get coast-to-coast coverage on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Now you'll catch all the action almost anywhere you go. Plus, you'll save a ton over what you're paying with Verizon or the other big guy. Switch to Metro and get on a big network for way less. Coverage may vary, so please see the store for details. Now's the time to score big with Metro. Switch and get on a big network for way less Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. Listen, guys are terrible at taking care of their health. Whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable with rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. And I'm guilty of it myself. Well, the same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com slash Woj. Fill out a brief medical boarding, chat with a doctor, and get FDA-approved ED meds delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy, so take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com slash Woj. That's GetRoman.com slash Woj, W-O-J, for a free online visit, GetRoman.com slash Woj. When you came into the league, would you feel at that time that every high rookie draft pick is targeted to a certain guys want to come in and test you and they hear hype about you and they say, but was it heightened for you, for Dirk, for players of that generation in the league, maybe more so than guys might have to go through now? Yeah, um, I can't exactly say with certainty, you know, how different it is. Uh, I know what I went through, but I feel it's pretty common for like older players to challenge the young guys that come in. Say, hey, this is not college anymore. This is not overseas anymore. This is the NBA and now you're in my territory and, uh, you're going to have to prove it. Uh, and I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to see what you're made of. And that's, that's normal and that's part of it. And I think that's good. What was the first moment when you showed up in Memphis where you said, okay, this is different? Uh, well, I remember a couple guys that always, uh, used to, that were more vocal, used to ch- challenge me on the court. I mean, within our team, uh, the, the veteran guys all, also, you know, it was like, hey, you gotta, you gotta play. Like, yeah. then the Nick Andersons, uh, Lorenz and Wrights, uh, the Tony Massenbergs, when I came in, those were the guys that were my, like, my veterans and that I would go against and they, um, they would challenge you. It's like, okay, you gotta, you gotta play. You gotta, you gotta hit people. You gotta go after rebounds. It's not just about scoring and stuff, but, uh, you gotta prove it. 
and but then as as uh, opponents you know players like Kevin Garnett yeah. who challenged me from day one uh like bumping chest and like talking trash and which made me step up to the plate and and said okay well let's go let's let, let me let me show you what I can do if you if that's how you're going to be <laughs> like Cliff Robinson was another one Cliff Robinson <laughs> was another guy that tough uh, physical Rashid Wallace was another guy that, you know, those old school guys that, that used to talk a lot and used to challenge you and test you, see what you were made of. And, and it, it makes your, your breaks you kind of thing, right? So you got to step up or, or move to the side. And, uh, you know, I was ready to step up. I mean, do you remember what it felt like to be a teenager in Spain who got on an airplane and said, I'm going to the NBA, I'm going to the States? Like what that felt like as a kid? Oh, the uncertainty it was, of it. Yeah, right? it, it, it was uncertainty. I, to be honest, when I went, when I first got on the plane for the first time to go to the draft ceremony in New York, I was hoping to be a lottery pick. That's what it's, what I had the feel that I got. I was hoping to be, you know, nine, tenth around that, mm-hmm. which would allow me to, I had another year of my contract, so I wanted to play another year to continue to get better and, and stronger physically because I was still very thin. I was uh, maybe 225 pounds, uh, 220 pounds at the time. So I didn't feel like I was quite ready. So I was like, okay, well, I'll finish my year next year. I'll come. I'll get drafted. It's going to be all great. It's fantastic. It's already a dream. But then my agent started saying, hey, there's a chance that you might go like top five. Can I talk to these teams and, and commit to them for next year? That right away. That you'll come over. That I'll, yeah. you'll come yeah. over right away. That you're not going to wait another year. Uh, say, wow, top five, really? Um, so I was like, yeah. It's like, okay, um, I'll have to pay this buyout, but I guess, I mean, the, the money, it's, I guess it would make sense. It's a lot of money. I've never made that much money if I would get picked that high. So sure. I said, cause uh, again, I love the challenge. I, I thought, I felt like I wasn't quite ready that another year in Europe would have helped me. But I was like, okay, let's go. I'm an ambitious guy. I'm a confident guy. Uh, I love the challenge. Let's go for it. And, and, uh, next thing I know, uh, before the third pick, uh, the camera started <laughs> staring towards my table, <laughs> you know, because they, they do that 10 seconds before yeah. the, the, the pick is announced. So they catch the reaction and the whole deal. So it was, it, it just kind of sped it up, and um, and I was super excited, and uh, I was just trying to take it all in as much as quickly as I could. It was only a couple years earlier you had enrolled at the University of Barcelona. You were not thinking about necessarily being a professional basketball player. You you were big, but you weren't some prodigy. You weren't Luka Doncic. You no. weren't Ricky Rubio. No, that's true. Right? No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was. Uh, I was still. I still decided to go to med school and, and enroll at the university because it still wasn't clear that I could make a living out of basketball uh, at 18 years old. So uh, I started playing semi-pro with a B team of FC Barcelona. And by the mid-season, I, I started maybe practicing a couple of times here and there with, with the first team. But I, it wasn't it wasn't clear that I wasn't going to that I was going to make it. I was going to be that big deal. Uh, I had hopes. I had a certain confidence in myself that I could, that I could do it. But my parents said, Pau, 
you got to go to school. You can't just just play basketball. And what if it doesn't work? Like, why don't you try to do this? And that year really helped me because I had to, I had to hustle. I had to grind. I had to really uh, push myself to just keep up, right. <laughs> keep up with the basketball stuff, keep up with the university stuff. It was just, it was exhausting. I was, I was, I was passing out every night in my bed with notes and homework and, and try to just, just keep up. Um, but it really made me appreciate how hard things are and uh, I wouldn't change it. You grew up in a family of medical professionals. Your right. mom was a doctor, your dad worked in the medical field yes. and November 8th, 1991, mm-hmm. people here, I think anybody who followed basketball, it was the day Magic Johnson announced Correct. he had HIV. Mm-hmm. You were 11 years old, uh, I guess in a Barcelona suburb. What do you remember about that day, about your reaction to that news? I was uh, shocked. I was, I, it really hit me. It really affected me. I, I, was, I think no one expected that. Um, but as a kid that loved to play basketball and, and one of the main icons reveals at that point in time that had, that was HIV positive. At that point, what I understood from a 11 year old self is that you get HIV, you die in the near future. You're, this is your death sentence. And I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. It was hard. And at that point, I said, you know, I just want to become a doctor. I want to become a doctor and, and really uh, change this. Uh, people shouldn't shouldn't die for illnesses that uh, I hope one day can be cured and prevented. So I want to find a cure for cancer. I want to find a cure for HIV. I want to find a cure for uh, malaria. So things like that, uh, that, that it, it really hit me. But um, but then later on, I, I, I guess I realized, oh, but maybe there is treatment. Maybe you could survive. Maybe you could prolong your life. Uh, and, and here we are today, 27 years later, uh, with Magic having a, a great life and, and, uh, and doing so much for the sport and has done, accomplished so much on and off the, uh, the basketball court and, um, so, and still rolling. So, uh, but it did, it did hit me. I remember that day, uh, I was on, in recess when, and I remember like daydreaming. I completely lost, just caught up in my thoughts and, and feelings about how, how hard I was to take in. How much time have you ever spent wondering, what if I stayed in medical school? What if I became a doctor, had that life instead of this one not much to be honest no not much because as much as i love medicine uh basketball it's what i kind of uh, dreamt of pursuing and uh, when i was a kid when i was a kid i used to have dreams literally dreams of playing uh, basketball and, and playing in front of uh, Full arenas and, and playing in the NBA and, and having so much so much fun doing it. So, medicine is definitely a passion of mine. I've uh, I developed so many relationships with uh, many children's hospitals around the country, especially in the cities that I played for or played with, and I still do. And that's a big part of who I am. And I, I love the interaction with kids. I appreciate so much what the doctors do 
for for children and for people because uh, I I think it's something very important to keep in mind that without health we're absolutely nothing uh, we're crippled or dead <laughs> so um, that's the main thing in our lives and uh, and I feel like the work there is done in hospitals and it's done um, by doctors that are constantly daily saving changing lives uh, it's undervalued is underrated and those guys are, are real real heroes so um so I, I love to kind of because of my status and my accomplishments and success as, as a basketball player i love to go up and go out and, and, and visit families and kids and light up their days and make their days and, and have conversations and and really bring their spirits up uh and that's uh you know and um, it's it's fantastic because a lot of the doctors say that we we can't have that effect we, you add something different to these families to these kids and it's very powerful. It's it's one of the most powerful things that I've ever experienced as a human being to be able to have that impact. Yeah, like you said, what you've done at you know St. Jude in Memphis mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. UNICEF and the platform you can have in your mm-hmm. position to reach. Yeah. As a doctor, you can listen. You can impact people a patient at a time, and that's profound. Mm-hmm. But I guess in your the path you went, there's ways to impact a broader swath in, in a different way. In a different way, yeah. but probably there's a fulfillment in that. But very meaningful, very meaningful way as well. Uh, you can raise awareness. Um, you can reach more more people. You can uh, bring support to causes, to institutions, uh, to initiatives. Uh, now we also also uh, we created our own foundation and we're fighting childhood obesity in the states in Spain and we want to do it worldwide and become a reference in that in that field and really change the trend of of how uh, lifestyle it's affecting our, our children and, and the new technologies and the habits and so forth so we we want to once I heard that that uh, about 10, not 10 years ago yet, but about seven, eight years ago, I heard that this generation of children were going to be the first one in the history that were going to live shorter than their parents. And that was due to unhealthy habits. And that was due to the presence uh, and the increase of, the, of childhood obesity that would lead to cardiovascular diseases that would lead to an earlier death. Uh, we got to do something about it, right? And, and again, that, as you said, that success, that platform, you can accomplish so much at a human level, at a social level, and really utilize the resources, the network, the, uh, the success, the popularity, the fame to do so much good. Um, and that's, I think that's a realization that I hope many, many players and athletes can come to because, uh, it's, it's, now it's beyond you. Uh, and I think I always keep, this sentence in my my head, you know, it's about making impact. It's about how many people can you touch, uh, how many people can you impact positively in your lifetime. And that's, uh, at the end of the day, when you look back, that's how your life should be and will be measured. And yeah, that's your legacy. When men and women upgrade from their tattered, outdated, multi-pack underwear to Tommy John, the most comfortable on the planet, they have a lot to say about it. Like Scott, who's happy his double agents are no longer going rogue, or Melissa, whose Tommy Johns are so light and comfortable, she worries she'll forget to pull them down when she goes to the bathroom. Point is, men and women all across America are crazy about Tommy John. Both Tommy John men's and women's underwear sport a no-wedgie guarantee, comfortable stay, put waistbands, and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft 
and designed to move with you. Plus, Tommy John has dress shirts and undershirts that always stay tucked, ridiculously soft loungewear, and go-anywhere apparel that's versatile enough to go from boardroom to boxing class. And for ladies, the new Air Collection is made from quick-drying, antimicrobial fabric with seamless bonded edges that offer a no-visible panty line guarantee. Tommy John is so sure you're going to love the fit and feel that's all backed by their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. That means if you don't love your first pair, you'll get a full refund. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash Woj right now and get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash Woj for 20% off. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. The impact in your life of the trade from Memphis to the Lakers, like twofold, right? I'm going from Memphis to L.A., and I'm walking into a team, a city, an organization, a teammate in Kobe. That There's nothing comparable to it anywhere else in the NBA, the, the intensity of it. And, oh, by the way, my brother's going in the other direction. Like, how did you find the news out? Did you find out, how you've been traded to the Lakers? And, by the way, Mark's in the deal going the other way. Who told you? Was it Arn Tellum, your agent? No. It was, it was Chris Wallace. I was going through, it was a tough time in Memphis, uh, for many reasons. Ownership, Michael Heisley was trying to sell the team. Mm-hmm. Management the year before with, uh, Jerry was completely frozen because couldn't make any moves, couldn't improve the team at that time because, uh, you know, we we're trying to, trying to sell the team. So, so, uh, their, their hands were tied. Uh, we were, it seemed like we were going through constant rebuilding. After we had three really good years with Hubie and Mike Fratello making the playoffs and being competitive. But, uh, then after that, you know, things changed and it, it was, it was hard, right? And then for two weeks I had a back injury. I had an irritated, uh, joint, SI joint and that I, I couldn't play. And then Chris Wallace called me up to his uh, office, which I've never been, uh, in all the time that I was with the, the Grizzlies. And, and I'm waiting outside. I'm waiting outside. I'm thinking, oh, he wants to talk about my, you know, what's going on with my back. Cause the, the anti-inflammatories, the treatment was not responding well. I was not feeling better. So, you know, um, uh, that's what I was hoping for. Uh, I didn't get any texts or calls from, from, uh, my agent, from Arn. I didn't get any, any updates. Like nowadays you get a lot of, as you know, I mean, one of the main guys, uh, you get like, uh, news alerts, yeah. uh, kind of advancing stuff before the player even knows. So I just go, I walk in and, and the first thing he tells me, Powell, please come in, sit down. Uh, he just got traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm like, sorry, what? <laughs> it, it didn't, I, I, I couldn't take it in. I couldn't, what, what are you talking about? Is at that point, I was not expected or expecting to be traded at all. And then, yeah, I'm like, yeah, please sit down, sit down. So you got traded for you know, Kwame Brown, I think Jabari Scrinton, Aaron McKee, a second round pick. And the irony of all, or the, the funniest of all is, and your brother Mark. <laughs> I'm like, what? Is this like a joke getting, trying to be funnier and funnier? Right. At that time, I couldn't process what he was saying. And I'm like, is this really happening? And why is he, 
making a kind of a joke out of out of it when you know this is this is uh you know i've been here for six and a half years he basically just got there <laughs> and now i'm i'm traded i i couldn't even grasp what, where i was going to or or the situation that i was going to join and obviously i got uh, more excited as i as, as the minutes went by uh but he was uh you know it was crazy and it was it was chris that, that told me and obviously one of the greatest moments of my career just because at first it was hard to to process being traded and moving away from a team that you've given so much to and, and the other way around but then I walk into a situation that would allow me to to win uh, which is what I, exactly what I wanted and what I craved and to play with one of the greatest players in Kobe and 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 to be coached by Phil Jackson and his staff and and live in, in a city like LA uh, that I've given and has given me so much in so many ways beyond basketball and the relationships that I've made over the years. So yeah, a new, a new stage, a new chapter started, uh, that I couldn't even imagine what it was going to be like. What was the challenge of being Kobe's teammate and not just a teammate, but his co-star, the player who together were trying to win a championship and then another. And, and even after that, trying to win more. Well, uh, I think to me, we just, we complemented each other very well because I wasn't trying to get attention or popularity. I didn't want any popularity contest. I strictly wanted to focus on how I can complement you, how I can fit this team the best, and how we can win. I just wanted to win. <laughs> so... I wasn't interested in any anything else uh, on marketing deals, on uh, uh, Hollywood, or anything. I just wanted to focus on basketball and really maximize that opportunity that I've been craving for a while and make the best out of it. And and I knew the best was winning a championship. And Kobe made sure right out of the bat when I first landed in in Washington at one a.m. in the morning, joining the team. After my physical in LA, uh, he came to my room and told me, Powell, it's, let's go get the ring. Let's go get the championship. This is all, this is what it's about. And, and yes, it's, it's not the easiest thing to do in the world to play with Kobe at times, but at the same time, you gotta understand where he's coming from. He wants to win more than anything. He wants to be the best. Now, how can you add to that without taking away from it, without creating tension with him and, uh, and for the rest of the team? And I was happy to take that passenger seat. And say, hey, I'm here. Whenever you want me to take the wheel, I'll drive. Whenever you get tired, I'll pu- I'll just jump in. I'll, I'm here just to do whatever it takes, and let's go. It's it's go time. And and that's kind of how we made it work. With you know, it wasn't always easy and smooth uh, as you can imagine. But that's just also being uh, being in that situation and and dealing with being a Laker and the attention and the media and and the expectations and so forth uh, so but it was a uh, it was an incredible time and I wouldn't I wouldn't change it either Pow you've got to go to your treatment for yes. your ankle yeah. we didn't even get to which I wanted to Spanish national team I know which is my I was favorite. hoping I was hoping I know, we, were, uh, we were limited here right um, so maybe <laughs> so we'll do that I'd, I'd love to do that another time mm-hmm. that's one of the great and they talk about teams in the Hall of Fame. Mm. And I, to me, I think your Spanish national team is a team that should be in Springfield. Manu Ginobili's Argentina, Argentina. team belongs mm. in there as a group. Mm. But uh, 
We'll get to it another we'll get time. To it. We'll get to it. We'll talk oh, about I, I, it and how how that team and our teams have been so so special, and what we've been able to build over the years with the unity, that sense of unity, with com- combining all that talent and just playing together and having fun. You know, so it's uh, we've accomplished so much, but it was also it's because we're a family, and we just assume and, and take on the roles that we believe are best for for that team, and, and we're just a group of friends having fun, going at it, being extremely ambitious and. And we've accomplished a lot over the years. And hopefully we still got a little bit of juice left to continue to prolong that. Um, but it's been quite special, and we should maybe at another time spend some time on it. Absolutely. Paolo, thank you. Get better. We'll, we'll see you in the playoffs. Thank you. See you okay. in the playoffs. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to my guest today, Paul Gasol. Remember, you can listen to new and archive episodes of the Woj Pod at Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, or wherever else you get your programs. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, Wix.com, Metro by T-Mobile, Roman.com, and Tommy John. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.